Welcome back to the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Taxley. Taxley offers the first apprenticeship program for careers in tax law and consulting. So for those who thought the CPA was the only way to a prestigious tax career, let Taxley show you the importance of becoming an enrolled agent. Visit Taxley.com to learn more. I'm your host, Alex Meacham, former Bearcat basketball player from 1997 to 1999, under the Hall of Fame coach, Bob Huggins. And I'm Neil Meyer with the Front Office News. Now I'm J.T. Smith, Editor-in-Chief of the Front Office News. All right, fellas, let's jump right into it and recap the Temple game. The Bearcats lose to Temple 61-70 in Philly. J.T., thoughts on the Bearcats' performance? Man, it was what I feared because what we talked about, you know, in the previous podcast leading up to it is, you know, it was only what I don't know what the official attendance was, but it <laughs> couldn't have been more than 500, and I'm being nice. <laughs> uh, and also they got dominated on the glass and that's really all you need to know like i mean they've had an 18 rebound advantage and that's on a road where you can't muster up energy from the crowd even if them booing i don't even think you care they're booing because you can it's not electric in there so that's what i feared and it happened and that's one of those things they can't have because even two temple has a chance to be a solid team in the conference you can't have that because you don't have you don't have any marquee victories in Houston's hard. You know, we, we haven't got to that yet. I know I don't want to jump the gun. And in Memphis isn't going to be a cakewalk either. And those are your two top tier teams currently. And, you know, Luke, keep losing games like Temple. It's going to make it hard to it's going to make it hard on them. And, and JT, let's not skip by Wichita State, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. That's a tough place to play. I don't care if they're good, bad. It's always tough to play in that arena. For sure. For sure. And, and Temple's always tough for the Bearcats as well. And that's that's what I was hoping they can avoid. And then I just think the performance they had. I mean, Vic got in foul trouble, and that didn't help at all. But you, you, you give up. You lose the rebounding battle by that much, man. It's hard to win. I mean, it's hard to, you know, even at high school, it's hard to win middle school. My boys team got out rebounded and they played pretty good, but they were getting out rebounded just because of the sure size and it was just too much for them to overcome. So it's the same in college, man. You can't let them kill you on a board like that. But And Neil, what stuck out to you? I think what really stuck out to me was, as JT mentioned, was the battle on the glass. I mean, you got out rebounded 46 to 28. I think, uh, Jalil White for Temple finished with 16 and 14, I believe, or yeah, 14 and 16. So, I mean, he had 16 boards and for a guard to get 16 boards is uh, very impressive. So, I mean, once you look down and you see that stat line, that's something that's going to stick out to about everyone who either A, watched the game or B, looks at the stats. So to get out beat on the glass by that big of a difference, I think was the big thing that stood out to me there. Yeah, and listen, conference road games are always tough. I, I don't care who you play. You could play the bottom feeder in the conference in the league, and it, it's always tough. You know, it's it's winter time. You're on the road. You got young people who have a lot going on, and sometimes with young people, they're not always focused in on on, on basketball. That happens. But you know, we've got to come out. And I mentioned this before on the last podcast. When you go on the road and you're in a conference game, those first six minutes of the game are so vital. You got to come out and punch the other team in the mouth. And we just didn't do that. Now, a positive is we only had seven turnovers. We turned them over 15 times. 
which, you know, I like those numbers. But like Neil said, and, and JT, you alluded to, the 46 to 28 rebounding edge is just, you're not going to win basketball games like that. And we just need to find a way to get all hands on deck rebounding. And that means, I think, more than just Odie, Vic, uh, Jared, or whoever's in, we need guards rebounding the basketball. You need Jeremiah Davenport, Mike Adams Woods. Everybody needs to crash the board. And like you said, JT, I thought you made a great point last podcast, and that is there are going to be 200 people in the stands, and our leaders need to step up. And I don't think that happened. So you live and you learn, right? It's a conference game in January. You live and you learn, and hopefully you're better next conference road game which is going to be against Wichita State. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. You are listening to the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Taxley. Now, tonight, the Bearcats take on Wichita State at 9 p.m. in Kansas. And we want to remind all Bearcat fans out there to visit Mio's Pizzeria at 2634. Short vine before and after all Bearcat football and basketball games. Get there early because the place gets packed on Bearcat game days. Thanks to Kelly and Richard Mio's for the support. Of the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast. Now let's jump into the Big O segment sponsored by Donahue Accounting Services. In this segment, we cover players to watch and key matchups. JT, we'll start with you. Who from the Bearcats needs to play well and why? I want to see what uh, Landers Nolly does, you know, second row game in a row against a hard place he hasn't played. Well, he has played there, just not in a Bearcat uniform. But at the same time, I want to see what he does um, because he could he brings so much to the table. And there's others that we can we can highlight as well. But but I want to see if he can uh, you know after having a loss against Temple, see if he can you know muster up a good 17 to 20 point game, five five to seven rebounds, three to five assists type type deals. So I want to see if he can do that because he's that kind of player. So I, I want to see him kind of put the team on his back. And, uh, and you know, everybody else kind of take his lead. We need another big signature Landers-Noli game. Yep. I think we got that earlier this year, right? Yeah, yeah. Against Arizona, that was kind of the one where you're like, see, this is why he's here. And, you, I mean, other games he did very well. But you play against a big-time opponent like Arizona and score 33. It's like, okay, now now, now you're cooking, cooking with fish, you know, hot grease right there. So, we need one of those on the road and maybe, you know, it'll have to be 33, but it has to be a very efficient and effective game that uh, can, you know, help those people out. And then the bench, I know I, we just, I just said one player, maybe we'll get into that later, but the bench, we only had two points off the bench against Temple. We can't have that uh, against Wichita. That are, otherwise that won't be very well unless they rebound way, way better. Hmm. Now, Neil, Wichita State is 7-7 seven and seven right now. Who do we need to watch out for from the Shockers? Yeah, so some guys to keep an eye out for for Wichita State is point guard Greg Porter Jr. He is the team's leading scorer. He's averaging 12 points a game, but he's a guy that's been around for the last few years. He's a guy that we've been able to see which, uh, when Wichita State comes in and comes out uh, over the last few years, but then – He's one of those guys who's really good at facilitating for others. And that's something I noticed. Obviously, Wichita State's been in the up and down year with the new coaching change, going from Greg Marshall to a new coach. So, I mean, looking to see how he progresses. He's a senior. He's going to be that guy that takes charge for 
them on the offensive aspect in terms of controlling the offense. But then you got to look at a guy like Jaquan Walton, who is he's kind of like a John Newman role for us. He's six foot seven. He's got that long wingspan. He kind of plays a guard position, but he's more of a forward, but he can do so much on offense. And he's averaging 12 points a game. He loves to crash the boards. He's got 91 rebounds on the season, so he's averaging roughly six and a half rebounds a game. He's a guy who's another guy to keep an eye on. I mean, he's very physical, obviously a six foot seven wingspan. He likes to get inside. But I really think if you can find a way to contain him, don't let him get inside, play his physical game, I think this could be a good matchup. But those are two key players to keep an eye on for the Wichita State Shockers. The Big O segment is sponsored by Donahue Accounting Services. Now, Neil, back to you. What type of offense and defense should we look out for from the Temple out? Or I'm sorry, from the Temple. I'm talking about Temple again. Wichita, Wichita Shockers. Yeah, so Wichita has been, from what we have seen over the past few years watching them, they're a very physical team. Everyone knows that. They were very good under Greg Marshall when he was there, and Greg Marshall really emphasized on the defensive side of the ball. But now that he's gone, you have a new coach. I really think they keep that defensive mantra. Like, they like to be nitty and gritty on defense. They like to create turnovers. I mean, right now they have 169 turnovers forced on the season. They love to get in there and create turnovers. So I look forward to them bringing a lot of pressure. But on the defensive side, I don't think we see them play a zone, but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, we saw it with Tulane. We saw it with Temple. They threw out that zone late in the uh, second half there. But – they are going to come out offensively and they're going to try to give the Bearcats some trouble early. I think we're going to see what we saw at Temple where they try to get Vic in early foul trouble. But overall, I think this could be a very good matchup as we've talked about. Wichita State always plays this very well. And going on the road versus a very good Wichita State team, I mean, the record doesn't stand for it, but they're a very good team. So I think we can go out there and we can get overcome that uh, 70 to 61 victory versus two uh, versus Temple over the weekend and kind of play how they played versus Tulane. I think the Bearcats will be in good hands. The Big O segment is sponsored by Donahue Accounting Services for friendly expert tax advice whenever you need it. Come to Donahue Accounting Services, a leading accounting firm in Cincinnati, Ohio. Our top notch accountants strive to help you resolve all your financial and tax issues. Call Donahue Accounting Services today for a free consultation at. 513-528-3982 or visit DonahooAccountingService.com. You're listening to the Bearcat Tip I'll Talk podcast presented by Taxley. It's time for the Kenyon segment sponsored by Greg Hooden at Beachmont Toyota. This is where we cover the keys to the game. JT, what do the Bearcats need to do to win? It sounds cliche, man. I touched on it a little bit in a previous segment, but they have to rebound the ball. Um, I would say hit. you can't shoot, what, 53% from the line as well. That doesn't help on the road. So I would say shoot over 70% from the free throw line, and they cannot lose the rebound battle by more than four rebounds. Mm-hmm. So they have to keep it close. They either need to win the rebound battle or keep it very close. You can't have double-digit uh, loss or um, be a, a minus 10 in uh, rebounds and expect to win against anybody. So they got to rebound the ball and then, uh, you know, protect the ball as well. Because, you know, Wichita wants to get out and run. If you got live ball turnovers and you're not rebounding the ball well, that's not that's the recipe for a lo- another loss. So that's what I want them to do is protect the ball. And then hopefully my big dog can, um, Vic can stay out of foul trouble because that was very important and changed the tie in the, in the other game. It can never recover from it. So hopefully – 
he stays out of foul trouble. But they have to rebound. Even if Vic gets in foul trouble, they have to band together and be like junkyard dogs on that on that glass. Yeah, and, and JT, do you agree with me that we need to have all hands on? I mean, the guards got to do a better job of rebounding the basketball. Oh, for sure. You you let somebody you let another guard get sixteen rebounds. Crazy. That's not that's not all on the bigs. <laughs> so um, even without Vic out there, you can't you you got a bit you know sixteen rebounds. That's that's major. That's not like he got a ten at the end. He got his you know he had nine rebounds and then he got that tenth one at the end. Sixteen boards. It's getting 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 down and dirty. So uh, yeah, the, the the guards have to take pride in it. You know, like maybe they don't score as much, but hey, I'm not letting my guy get double digit rebounds tonight. It's not going to be on me. So they got to all look at each other and say, hey, hold, them, hold themselves accountable if they mess up. But um, it's going to happen. They're going to get a, give up a couple, but they can't allow a guard to just get double-digit boards, man. I mean, he was out there like he was 7-2. <laughs> now, Neil, this, this would be a great game for the Bearcats to come out and win big and get some momentum going into a really big game on Sunday versus Houston. So – in that case, what do the Bearcats need to do to win big? I think in order for the Bearcats to win big, it's something we've all hit on is you have to win the battle of the glass. I mean, looking forward to a very fiery, fierce Wichita State team, but then you have another quick turnaround versus one of the top five teams in the country versus Houston. In order to win big and build that momentum heading into a big showdown like that, you have to win the battle of the glass. We know what Houston is capable of doing there in the near future, but it all starts this Thursday when you win the battle on the glass. You win that battle on the glass, you build the momentum early, and it goes from there. And then I think you just kind of have to see the guys like David DeJulius and Landers Nolly really have a big game. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have to see that Arizona-type performance from Nolly, as JT mentioned. And I think if we can get a good performance like that, I think that builds the perfect momentum heading into a top five team in Houston. Because if you can get that momentum rolling and you pick up a big win, whether it's by 10, by 14 even, 10 or 14, I think you get that good win heading into a very tough and a good opponent in Houston. Uh, We all know Kelvin Sampson is going to bring that A-team to uh, Fifth Third Arena. So to build momentum and then you have the opportunity to – Put two in a row. If you went on Thursday, you got a big opportunity to get two in a row versus and get a big quadrant one win versus a very tough Houston team. And I think we haven't had those really good opportunities yet to get one of those big wins in that category. So if you can start to build that momentum come Thursday and then maybe build into that and steal one of those quadrant one wins, that's huge for the Bearcats. And, and listen, and here's here's what I would like to see happen now against Wichita State. It'd be nice, like JT said, for Landers to get cooking and maybe somebody else to, to add on to that, be a complimentary offensive player. But helping lead into that game on Sunday versus Houston, I was talking to a coach probably about a week ago, and he was telling me, and he's got a really good defensive team, a college coach is a friend of mine, and he said at the college level, if you've got three guys on offense cooking, it's impossible to beat that team. You got three guys cooking. And that leads me to say we have three capable guys in Juice, Landers, and Vic offensively to get cooking. If those guys can cook at the same time and play big, we beat Houston. There's no doubt in my mind. And Fifth Third Arena be rocking. But I believe that all starts against Wichita State and gaining some of that momentum. The Kenyon segment is sponsored by Greg Hooden, 
at Beachmont Toyota. Now, hey, I want to throw a couple things at you guys real quick before we get up out of this segment. Um, so I happen to know some of the former walk-ons at Wichita State I'm uh, real close to. Uh, shout out Zach Bush, Bryson Bush, and Jacob Ayers, who all were walk-ons over the past at Wichita State. And um, I still stay in touch with those guys a lot. Bryson Bush goes to every Wichita State game. Um, I talk to him probably three times a week. Very, very good friend of mine. And he was telling me the fans of Wichita State are not happy with Coach Brown, the head coach. Like, they're, like, ready for him to be fired and go. So I, I think there's a great opportunity for us to win big against Wichita. I think the fans are kind of grumbling. Coach Brown might be on the verge of – I mean, you just never know. He could be on the verge of losing a team, you know, if they don't come out and, and play well. But that arena is so tough to play at. And I'll tell you a quick story. Um, for my other podcast, the Bearcat Basketball Podcast, I had interviewed Gary Clark a while back. And I was asking him about his UC career. And he told me the toughest place to play was at Wichita State. He said at one point when they played at Wichita State, this is when, like, Wichita was one of the tops in the league and UC was one of the tops in the league. He said the arena was literally shaking before the game started. And Gary's like, I've never experienced anything like that before in my life in basketball. He said that place was shaking. So it's a tough place to play. However, I think with the state of their basketball team, maybe on the verge of kind of losing control, this is a great opportunity for us to come in and win big. Uh Real quick question for you guys. Can you guys guess, JT, I'll start with you, and then Neil, I'll give you a guess. Wichita, Kansas, can you tell me what giant restaurant chain was founded in Wichita State? And this, I'm sorry, Wichita, Kansas. Wichita, Kansas. Is it giant, giant chain restaurant? Like, is it drive through or is it like you guys sit, sit in there? Um, I think they they might have. I don't, I don't think they have drive drive through. Is it? It's probably something like Cracker Barrel or something. Um, that's actually a good guess. <laughs> that, you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> but if I was to guess someplace that looks like it started in Wichita, Kansas, it would be Cracker Barrel. <laughs> it seems like Cracker Barrel. Neil, that's tough. I'm trying to think. I'll give you a hint. It is the largest chain restaurant in the particular food that it specializes in. It's the largest one in the world. Am I going to have to go like a White Castles or something like that? That's good. White Castles, I believe, was founded in Columbus, Ohio. I could be wrong on that, but um, I think White Castles is Columbus. So, ain't wrong. Uh, I'll give you guys another hint. It is a pizza chain. Pizza chain. Pizza chain. Is it like a Pizza Hut? Pizza Hut. Bingo. <laughs> pizza Hut was founded in Wichita, Kansas. That's crazy. Uh, home base is now in Texas, but it's owned by Yum Brand, which is out of Louisville. And, mm -hmm. and Pizza Hut is the largest pizza chain in the world. How about that? That's crazy. That's and crazy. The, the original Pizza Hut, I believe, is not far from the campus at Wichita State. So it's like a, it really is a hut. 
And I think the story is like they were pizza to the students or, or something like that. But anyway, just, just a little fun fact. Um, another fact that I was talking to Bryson Bush, uh, Bush, former walk-on from Wichita State, he was telling me that this Wichita State team is one of the worst teams in the country in terms of assists. Mm. Out of what? how many college teams are there, 300 and – 65, I think. 64. They're like 350 in assists. In assists. Yes. We need to heat their ass up defensively. Yeah, for sure. Cause they ain't gonna pass it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, think about it. You know how bad you have to be to be at 350? 350, man. That's slight. You got a whole bunch of uh, what's my dude that from Detroit Mercy. Gonna be playing everybody playing like that. Yeah, that's ain't passing. It's on Davis, baby. Shoot, shoot, shoot. Shoot, man, shoot. We, we Think need, about shooting. We need to heat them up. Whenever, whenever <laughs> stale, shoot. No, nah, don't pass. Shoot. <laughs> the Kenyon segment keys to the game was sponsored by Greg Hooden at Beachmont Toyota. Come see fellow Bearcat Greg Hooden at Beachmont Toyota for all your Toyota needs, cars, trucks, and SUVs. Greg Hooden at Beachmont Toyota is ready to help you get into your new Toyota. You're listening to the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Taxley. And the Twyment segment is sponsored by 93 Ways to Mentor. And this is where we cover hot topics. And the entire country, maybe even the entire world, is talking about what happened here in Cincinnati, Ohio, Bengals versus the Bills. And, you know... I mean, all my years of watching sports, I don't think I've ever seen – I've heard of people having cardiac arrests and different things, but I've never seen it actually – have seen something like that happen live. Um, JT, did you watch the game? Were you watching the Bengals game? Yeah, I literally – but the crazy thing is I was listening to it on the radio, and I literally got into my driveway right when the play happened. So, like, I didn't – I was one. I thought it was just like a timeout or something. I know the kid was hurt, but I didn't know it was that bad. I had cut the car off. No, he's down on the field. I think Dan Hoare was calling it, and then um, I guess I get into that to the house and then turn it on or whatnot. And it's like you know they're not at the stadium at the time. They're just like talking, and I'm like, what the heck? So I didn't think nothing of it. And then I like walk away, come back, and it was like, hold on, that's still the same play when I was walking out, like walking out the car, and um. Like suspended right now, boom, 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 and I'm just like, dang. So I didn't know. And then, like, my son had found like a clip or whatever. At first, I was like, I didn't really want to watch it. So it took me a minute to watch it. And he was like, it wasn't that bad. It was just like he made, he was maybe high on the tackle. He was like, but it's just like he went to his chest. But like, it didn't look terrible. He's like, it looked like a normal, like a normal play. And he's like, he just fell. He got up and it fell. And I was like, man, he must have just like in my head. I was like, man, it must have been like the perfect type of situation or something for it to happen um but it was just like super sad once once they start saying how bad it was at first you're thinking okay um he's okay but nobody you, nobody's ever seen somebody get up and just fall like that per se and not and not you know where they where they have to get the ambulance you know what i mean like sometimes you know they might stretcher come out that's a little different but it's just a heck of a situation and uh yeah, I've never seen anything like it. I don't think a lot of people have. I, I, well, I will say, like, I know I might be, you know, overstepping right now, but I just feel like the the city of Cincinnati and people have done such a great job of supporting this young man. And hopefully, 
he's going to recover. I mean, I heard like he's improving. I hope it just keeps going in a positive way because that's just a heck of a thing to see, man. Um, I knew it was something serious when I saw like how like the, the players reacted once they showed him too. They show like the players like shielding people from trying to see what's going on and just seeing how like people are breaking down. I didn't see that part from, you know, on the radio, you don't hear it or see that part. But when they just showed how young those guys were breaking down, you knew it was something serious because um, I haven't seen anything like where people were just like, you know, broke down it like that. Maybe was that McKenzie when he broke his leg or real bad a few years ago for UCF. Uh, I remember when Kevin Ware, when he came down real crazy in the final four mm-hmm. and everybody kind of broke down, like that's kind of, and that seemed, and it seemed more eerie than those situations. Of course, at least you thought those, those guys would be okay. You didn't, you didn't know with um, Hamlin. So it, it's, man, I, I've never seen anything like it, man. It's, I'm just happy that he's, it seems like he's on the right path. I just hopefully keep praying and it go, keeps going on the right way for him. Yeah. Neil, your reaction and you watching it. Yeah, so I was actually at the stadium when it happened. I was there in attendance, so I think I had a little more different of a reaction than everyone else because right when that play happened, the stretcher and the ambulance, you knew something was bad with how quickly the stretcher and ambulance came out. And then I think the whole stadium just went absolutely silent. And it was one of those things where, like, no one's saying anything. You could see the players' reactions and – once you kind of saw those reactions, you, you kind of, it kind of hit home because you're like, okay, something's really, really wrong here. But just to see the reactions from the sideline, everything transpire. I mean, it's something that's going to live with you for quite, quite a bit of time and maybe even forever. No, knowing how traumatic something like that is. I mean, you can only send as much positive thoughts and prayers for Damar Hamlin and his family, but just everybody who was out on that field that night, last night, to see something happen like that. I mean, it's something that it's something that's going to be on heavy conscience for quite some time. I mean, it's it's going to play a big a big effect into everything here in the near future. But I'm I'm glad they made the right call. I mean, once I saw the Bills personnel start taking things off the uh, off the field right away. I mean, to see Zach Taylor walk over, console Coach Sean or Doug McDermott or Sean McDermott. And then you see all that transpire. I mean, it's something it's something that's going to live with you because you don't see an injury like that happen rarely at all. But the best part is we keep seeing the updates that he is getting better. So just got to continue to give our thoughts and our prayers to him and his family during this hard time. I mean, as we mentioned, it's been phenomenal to see not only just the city of Cincinnati and Buffalo fans rally together for this this time for thoughts and prayers, but overall, just the nationwide support. I mean, we've all seen it on social media. We've seen all 32 NFL teams flip their logo to uh, DeMar Hamlin's jersey number and really be there for them and one another during this time. I mean, the best thing we can do right now is continue to give our thoughts and prayers to that young man. I mean, he was only 24 years old, so he's the same age as I am, basically. So it kind of kind of hits a little home being in the same age frame, like, yeah, that, that could happen to happen to anyone. So it's just one of those moments where you need to take this day by day and really get around your loved ones and hug them extra close tonight after seeing what transpired last night. So thoughts and prayers continue to go out with DeMar Hamlin and his family during this tough time. 
The Twyman segment is sponsored by 93 Ways to Mentor. So I was watching the game with my father, and I knew after that second, you know, we're going to go to commercial break the second time, I said to my dad, that's not good. And then they come back, the ambulance is still on the field, and then they're going to another commercial break. And I tell my dad, I said, I think that young man is dying on the field. Like, this is not good. But I, I do want to say something. Um, you know, the way the city of Cincinnati, um, Bengals fans, I think sports fans in this town have kind of rallied around that young man. His family ha has been, like, so impressive, man. I mean, you know, of course everybody loves sports. You love to be entertained. Um, we get all that, but when that young man, when, when Hamlin went down and people, I think on Twitter, social media in the stands realized that it was that serious, everyone was like, this game should be called. This game should not go on. And I was happy to see everybody, you know, kind of had that feeling, which they should, um, because, you know, the human life is way more important than, than sports. And I don't know, Neil, you're a little bit young, but JT, you might remember this. Uh, do you remember Hank Gathers? You're on mute, JT. Hank Gathers, yeah. Hank Gathers, I definitely remember that, man. Uh, yeah, on the court. On the court, he had the uh, the, the miss the miss the miss rhythm heart. Um, I think he was taking medicine. And um, I feel like he might have slipped. He might have not taken because he said it made him feel drowsy. And he was, like, about to be, like, a top. When well, he was going to be, like, a, a, a lottery pick, I remember him because um, – him, Bo Kimball, they played at Loyola, Chicago Loyola, I think, right? Loyola Marymount. Yeah, Loyola Marymount. Um, yeah. Yep. So they were, man, they were hanging 100 on people. Yeah, that was scary, man. Like, wasn't it like right at the end of the game? Or I can't remember the time it happened, but I remember it happened literally during the game. And that was, that's crazy, man. Yeah. yeah. And I was, I was pretty young. <clears throat> and I think the Hank Gather situation, obviously different yeah. for me than what happened on the Monday night game in that I didn't see the Hank Gathers thing live. Yeah, yeah, same, same. Right? I didn't see it yep. live, and I was a little younger, and I really couldn't yeah. arms around. Yeah, situation. But Loyola was averaging, you know, over 100 points a game. They were must-watch TV, yep. always tuned into their games. Hank Gathers at the free throw line, shoots his free throw, and then as he's backpedaling, he just collapses. And there was, like, no doubt that he had passed away. Yeah. It, it was yeah. like there wasn't even a question. That everyone yeah. that was watching and was there saw it and knew yeah. it. That was, that was really sad. Now, I don't know if you guys remember this, but locally, um, when I was playing actually at UC, there was a young man that went to Walnut Hills named Gabe Robinson. Mm. Um, Gabe Robinson uh, was a senior at Walnut Hills, and he was on his way to being the all-time leading scorer in the history of Walnut Hills basketball. And they were playing a game at Northwest High School, and Gabe Robinson was dribbling up the court, and he collapsed, and he died. Wow. Um, and, uh, yeah, he was on his way to being the all-time. And you talk about it. I knew Gabe. Um, Gabe was a fantastic young man, very, very high academic kid, really smart, great parents, great kid. Um, he just had a heart issue that wasn't detected and mm. he died on the court during that game. 
Um, very, very sad situation. So things like this have happened before. I mean, uh, JT, even the situation with the uh, with the Reds home opener, the uh, opening day back in what was that '96? Yeah. On yeah. uh, McSherry, the uh, umpire died. Yep. Yep. I mean, that's. That's that, that's so scary, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, it makes you just like, man. You think? I don't know. You don't. You know. You only can control what you control, and then at the end of the day, you don't have any control. You know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So, uh, which sounds crazy, and but it, it's real, man. Like every every second is precious. You know. You don't know. You know. Like because even with Hamlin, like if you hear the story, like the doctors talk about, they said like it was just like the perfect. Like the perfect strength, like amount of force hit him at the right time. Like it was like it wasn't that wasn't really a football situation from what they're saying, which sounds crazy. Like it's more likely that it's could happen at football, I guess, but it was just like it was like a one in like I forgot what the the odds were of that happening. Like like it was just like the right rhythm, the right amount of force. So like if we was walking and I hit my chest at that right force you have to hit it at the right time for you to even have a chance for that situation to happen yeah scary stuff it's crazy it's just, man i mean uh and neil you, you can you know kind of give us some more uh detail and thoughts on this but the Bengals in prime time what 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 is up with things happening on the field <laughs> Bengals games in prime time yeah i mean i just we've seen it in the last few years i mean we saw the ryan shazier incident we saw Tua earlier this season. We now see this that transpired the other night. I mean, it's just it's just horrific and it's sad. And all all these major injuries have happened during a primetime game here in Cincinnati. And I mean, it, it makes you look back and it leaves a lot of trauma once you look back on it. Being a Cincinnati kid and myself and all of us. I mean, you look back, and these are all within the last four or five years. We saw Ryan Shazier get temporarily paralyzed. I mean, he's still recovering from that almost 10 years later. And then you look back, and then you see all the stuff with Tua Tugavailoa here in week – I think that was week five earlier this season. And then now with everything that transpired in Cincinnati the other night with Danny Ham – or, yeah, Danny – Damara Hamlin, I mean, it's just it's just incredibly sad – to see everything that has transpired and our thoughts and prayers are with all those guys. And it makes you take a different aspect of that. This is more than a football game. This is more than a sport. These are more than athletes. These are yet human beings, our fathers, sons, daughters. They have all these family members and these are more than just an athlete. And we've all seen it here lately, but these are human beings. And when it comes to someone's life in jeopardy, as we've all seen, it's something you have to take the bigger aspect on. So I think the NFL handled it the right way. And last night, after everything that transpired earlier in the season with Tua, I think they handled it the right way last night by postponing this game immediately, suspending it. And I really want to give a shout-out to Zach Taylor for just the way he handled it, walked over to Coach McDermott. I mean, that's a guy you want to be leading this city, and he leads by example. I mean, he showed up at the hospital to be there. Yeah, I mean, just the guy – yeah, like Zach exactly. Taylor leading this team in this city. It shows the kind of coach he is in the NFL. So it's more, it's about more than football and it's about more than these are human beings. And that's the biggest aspect when someone's yeah. life's on the line, you have to take the 
the proper measurements. And I think, I think they did that last night. So it's incredibly sad. And our thoughts and prayers are with all those guys. You know, you said something and, and I want to point this out. Um, I talked with somebody just yesterday who I know that does um, security for events. And he was telling me that when things like this happen, because I said, well, why didn't they just tell the whole crowd to go home? Like there, there's no way this game's going to continue after they, you know, are administering CPR for nine minutes. Like there's no way these two teams can continue to play. Right. So he told me that there's like this thing with crowd control. Right. So even though they may have already determined that the game is over, they're not going to continue to play. They have to make sure that the ambulance, um, any, you know, special people with the team, family members can get out of the stadium okay in the vehicles and get out and get to where they need to go before the crowd makes that, you know, big rush. So I wonder, you know, in the NFL, of course, is going to say, hey, we didn't tell them you've got five minutes, you got to go back and play because that's what everyone was was talking about. And of course, the NFL is probably going to deny that. I don't know if they already have. I haven't really. Yeah, they uh, denying it. They're denying it. But what this guy was telling me, he said that the NFL probably had already told them, like, you know, you're not going to play the game. But there's like a protocol you need to follow to make sure the fans don't make a mad dash to get out. And so I, I wonder, it's going to be interesting to hear the detail of, of how that all uh, transpired. But I think, Neil, you were spot on with uh, Zach Taylor, but he handled himself well. Um, it was good to see him go to the emergency room to check up on him. And I tell you, man, I, I, I'll be flat out honest with you guys. There were, I used to be a huge, huge Bengals fan. Ocho Cinco is one of my favorite athletes to ever come out of this city. And I really got down on the Bengals, um, really down on them in a lot of different reasons. It wasn't just performance on the field. There were just, you know, other things I thought from, you know, franchise, how it was run, blah, blah, blah. Incidents I had at the Bengals stadium, blah, blah, blah. But I'm going to tell you what, that franchise has really turned things around. Um, I, I think Zach Taylor's doing a great job. And to see, you know, the Bengals fans and Bengal Nation kind of, rally around has just been i mean it's been really cool to see man it just gives me so much uh, more faith because you know fellas we deal with a lot of negativity out there um and on social media just in life but man there are so many more good people in this world <laughs> than there are bad people and it showed and we've seen that there are way more good people so that was good to see. The Twyman segment is sponsored by 93 Ways to Mentor. 93 Ways to Mentor is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that specializes in empowering youth in the greater Cincinnati area through mentoring, therapy, education, and financial support. To support, visit our website, 93waystomentor.com, or contact Derek Adams at 513-310-1715. Now, fellas, this concludes another great podcast. Thanks to all of our sponsors, Taxley, Donahue Accounting Services, Greg Hood and Beachmont Toyota, and 93 Ways to Mentor. We want to remind all Bearcat fans out there to visit Meals Pizzeria at 2634 Short Vine before and after all Bearcat football and basketball games. Get there early because the place is packed on Bearcat game days. Thanks to Kelly and Richard Meals for the support of the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast. Quick reminder, 
I will be back at Mio's January 11th from 7 to 8 p.m. with Bearcat legend Lenny Stokes to interview him at Mio's before the ECU game. The Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast is presented by Taxley. Taxley offers the first apprenticeship program for careers in tax law and consulting. So for those who thought the CPA was the only way to a prestigious tax career, let Taxley show you the importance of becoming an enrolled agent. Visit Taxley.com to learn more. Now, we will be back with another new episode January 8th at 10 a.m., previewing the big showdown versus Houston. Now, fellas, before we jump off here, I want to tell you a quick story. Uh, I'm sure you guys saw that young man, Nathan Brown, from St. Jude's fifth grade team, hit that crazy granny underhand behind his over his head, shot the win the basketball game versus Bidley. You guys saw that, right? I mean, it was yeah. It made yeah. it all over all over social media. So quick, quick story. Um, so on my uh, channel 12 TV segment that I do talking about high school basketball, um, I told uh, Chris, the, the guy that hosts the segment, I said, hey, I want to talk about that kid that that made that shot. I said, is that cool? And he's like, oh, absolutely. So, you know, we kind of break down and we show the shot Nathan Brown hits. And I said on there, I said, hey, Nathan Brown, if you're out there and you're watching this or your parents see this, reach out to me. I want you to be my guest at a Bearcat basketball game. And you know what? The next day, the mom reached out to me. I don't know these people from from anybody. And she reached out. She says, oh, my God, Nathan was so excited that you mentioned his name and talked about him on TV. She was like, thank you so much. And I was like, I'm serious about this game. I want him to come to a Bearcat basketball game. And I said, you and your husband can come as well. My treat. She was like, you don't understand how awesome that is. She goes, we are the biggest Bearcat fans around. I'm like, really? I'm like, well, you know what? We're going to have to get you to the back after the game. I want Nathan to meet the players and all that. And so we decided February 1st, I think that's the Tulsa game. Yeah. Uh, is that Tulsa game, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, him, his mom, and dad, I'm taking to the game as my guest. And she's like, that's perfect because his birthday is just a couple days before that. So it's going to be a going to be a nice treat uh, for that young man. And I told her, I said, UC might need them because they need some shooting. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't care how you make them. <laughs> hey, if you can make them. Well, I mean, fellas, seriously, like I had to watch that shot. Like I watched it like 10, 15 times. I'm like, that's wild, man. You yeah, for sure. Anything like that in, in basketball. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> JT, you, see, you see a lot of youth basketball games with your son. I mean, yeah, for sure. That, that's for just crazy. Sure. For sure, man. Like, like I think I saw it like right before my my uh, son played, and then my other son, he was like, "Man, that dude, that little dude, about to be viral. He about to go. He about to be famous." <laughs> He's like, "Oh, that was that busy." He was like, "Oh yeah, dude, about to be famous. It's but it's over." <laughs> yeah. So you, I, I got an idea. Let me let me see what you guys think about this. Here's my idea. When I bring him to the game on February 1st, I should ask UC. I should say, hey, let's let him go out during like halftime and see if he can make that shot again. <laughs> that be a good idea? 
it, it'd be worth a shot. I think that'd be fun. Like it, show yeah. on the Jumbotron the shot he made. Yeah, yeah. And then we'll see if he can do it again. Yeah. He I won't be able to do it from like half, half court in the in, in uh he was like what a step in, step in, but it was yeah, give him a little, yeah, yeah. Yeah, give him about about that that three that what give him like Steph Curry range. Yeah, like in the middle, you know what I mean, and then yeah. see if he could do it. I, he might, he might knock that thing down though. If you give him, how many times they should give him? Uh just give him one. Just give him. one. Give him one. Just give just him one. Give him one. Just, All right. Because if, if he double up, if he makes it, I mean, that place is gonna go crazy. Yeah, it's gonna go. It's gonna go crazy. If he makes it, I'm serious. He needs to play for the Bearcats because we need some shooting. <laughs> um. <laughs> All right, fellas, we want to thank everybody for listening to another episode of the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Taxi. Go Bearcats.